fans who want to keep pounding. We're the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This, 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 this is views from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, let's put a bow on this and talk about, talk about saving the best for last. How about we talk about the Carolina Panther defense holding New Orleans to just 14 total points in this one. All of them coming in the fourth quarter at a point where Carolina was kind of being able to slow the roll a little bit at that point. And again, again, telling you uh, from the perspective of somebody in the stadium, even when the Saints put up a couple of touchdowns late, never felt like they were actually in the game. In fact, I don't think there was a point after the first quarter where it felt like New Orleans was going to make a run, like New Orleans was going to find their way back into this game. And a big chunk of that has got to be because of the defense. Jeremy Chin, eight total tackles and a sack. Henderson had six. Lubu had four, had five. Shaq Thompson had four. And you had a host of players with two or three. Here's what I really appreciated. The first couple of weeks, there was a whole heck of a lot of uh, Xavier Woods was getting a dozen tackles and Luva was getting a dozen tackles. In this one, though, you really had guys flying around the field everywhere and they really limited what New Orleans was able to do, right? Like New Orleans is a team that wants to get the ball to Camara to spread the field horizontally to then beat you vertically. Now, uh, Chris Olave did have a really good game for the Saints. Olave, I think, got up, what, 147 through the air. But the Saints, outside of the ridiculous Marquez Callaway fallaway one-handed catch, which happened in the end zone almost right in front of me, with the exception of that, the Saints could not find the end zone through the air. And it wasn't like they were remarkably efficient running the ball. They were held at 84 yards on the ground. Yeah, it was 350 through the uh, 350 through through the air. But again, a lot of that was Olave and Traquan Smith. And in that point, the Panthers were definitely paying a playing a Bemba don't break. Look, we'll let him move the ball between the 20s, but we're going to lock it down deep inside the red zone. The Carolina Panther defense, Lonzo, played one of the best games we have seen them play in a couple of seasons. I still don't know what the Saints team is. This Saints team could finish with four wins, eight wins, or 12 wins. And I wouldn't be surprised by any of those results when it's all said and done. What I do know is for a team that has been so creative the last couple of years offensively, Carolina did not let them establish any semblance of rhythm from start to finish. Yeah, and including that one touchdown when you're talking about where he snagged that out, that would have been an interception. I mean, because there were two or three Panthers back there. If he hadn't snagged that, that they would have caught that for sure, and that would have been one last touchdown for New Orleans. Uh, that wasn't—you got to give that give that dude props, man. That was amazing how he snagged that out of the air with one hand. Uh, but you also got to talk about Derek Brown, who uh, you were hard uh, on him the first couple games uh, or the first game, and then he showed up last game, and he showed up this game, got himself an interception. I mean, after a tip ball, and that that's a big dude flying around. <laughs> Absolutely. You see that guy coming at you, uh, let's say if you're someone like Kyler Murray, if you see that guy coming at you, you're going to be scared. And that's how these guys are playing. I love it. I really do. Uh, and not to mention that, they're flying around, they're fiery, they're making all this stuff, and they're not getting a ton of penalties. A lot of times a defense playing with this kind of intensity gets you a bunch of, of penalties that cost you and they are not doing that. 
Spot on. Spot on. It's a it's a it's a disciplined defense. I think you're spot on. It is a disciplined defense. It is a defense that was maintaining assignment right. Again, they made at the point of attack. It, it wasn't just that they were overpowering the Saints offensive line, which for the record, they absolutely were. It wasn't just that they were overpowering the Saints offensive line. It's that they were blowing it up, right? Like they were not letting the Saints get to where their assignments were on the O-line. And you could see it. You could see the frustration when they were playing down on our end of the field. You could see the frustration. You could see the anxiety on the Saints offensive line in terms of body language. There was a lot of frustration. There was a lot of grabbing shoulder pads. It just was not going well for these guys at all. And that was because the front seven for Carolina was just beating the hell out of them at the point of attack. Even Alvin Kamara. In fact, I looked over at one point about midway through the third quarter. We were sitting uh, kind of uh, in the end zone, diagonal looking over towards the Saints bench. And I looked over at one point and Alvin Kamara was, was, was sitting on the bench. Mark Ingram, the other running back for New Orleans, sat down next to Kamara. Kamara got up moved over like five or six seats and sat back down, right? Now, Kamara and Ingram are, they're buddies, right? They're like buddies. They were buddies before uh, Mark Ingram left and went to Baltimore. They're supposed to be BFFs again. That team, that New Orleans team, Lonzo, they were not having fun. For a team that the past few years has kind of gotten the reputation of being a team that likes to have fun, and how couldn't you when you're getting 500 yards and 29 points a game, for a team that is supposed to be built on like good attitude and having, they look defeated on the sideline. Kamara didn't want to sit by Ingram. The offensive line was not talking and communicating. You could see even where I was 70 yards away from the bench, you could see the defeat on the faces of the New Orleans Saints. And if I'm a Panthers fan, and I am, that's awesome. That's good. That's exactly what I want. I want to see the other team, especially in the clutch, especially late in the game, especially when we're trying to put them away. So I want to see defeat on the faces of my enemy across the field. And the Saints showed that like a lot. You know, not just defeat, but frustration. When you're looking at the team across from you and they're frustrated, they know that they're given their best and they can't outdo you because you're playing much better than they are. And that's what you were seeing. The Panthers were outplaying them, and they and they knew that, and there really was nothing they could do about it. Every time they got a little bit of a spark, the defense was, would step up or the offense would get a big play for the Panthers, and then they would just go right back down. And maybe they were thinking about that plane ride. I don't know, but that was probably a really long – I'm guessing they've already flew to London by now. It's got to be a really, really long ride. Well, I have no doubt. Uh, and listen, things don't, things don't get easier – for New Orleans here as well. And you got to know that if you're Carolina, right? Like they're in London, they've got a, uh, what I think a, a, a 9 a.m. kick or 9.30 a.m. kick after a jet lag week. Then they've got the Seahawks, then the Bengals, then the Cardinals, then the Raiders and the Ravens and the Steelers. I mean, it's not an easy path for New Orleans. I don't think it's as difficult of a schedule over the next four as Carolina's, but it's not an easy path. And I'm, I'm sure there was some level of looking ahead, but, this was their third consecutive NFC South matchup. They beat Atlanta in week one. 
They lost to Tampa in week two. There were a lot of questions being asked about Dennis Allen. There were a lot of questions being asked about Jameis Winston, about the offense, certainly the defense too, right? Like they are supposed to be one of the best defensive lines in football. And while they did stop Leonard Fournette in week two, they got run on in week one by Mariota and the Falcons, and they got run on by Carolina yesterday uh, by Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers straight up, and 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 you'll pardon me for, for being dramatic here, the Panthers straight up whipped the Saints into submission. That That's the best way that I can put it. Like my old middle school coach would say, they just beat them till they didn't want to get up no more. That's exactly what happened. They beat them till they quit. And it was it was very obvious at the point that New Orleans just did not want anymore. Uh, and I'm 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 proud as hell of the defense for doing this. Like you said, every time it felt like New Orleans offense found a spark, they ran a little screen that worked, or Camara reeled off seven or eight and picked up a first down, or they threw it over a middle and, and deep to Alave and it came down with the ball. Uh, how many times did Alave come down with the deep ball, Lonzo, and then the next three plays three and out because they just couldn't get anything going off of it? That's a defense who refused to do anything except go put a boot on somebody's throat. I'm proud as hell of the Panther defense for yesterday. Yeah, because they they could have very easily got burnt over and over again with if Jameis would have had time to throw to Alave, if he would have been open every single time. When he was, he really did torch the Panthers a little. And and part of that's got to be unknown because he's a rookie, and not everybody probably keeps up with what goes on in college. He's a really good college football player for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, and uh, if you're the Carolina defense and you look over and you see that guy's broken that guy that guy's spirit is broken it is we got this all we got to do is hold up our end hopefully the offense holds up their end and we got this game and at what point of the game do you think that happened how early on do you think that they were able to look across and go yeah we got this mid third quarter mid third quarter there was a there was just a there was just a different feel, dude. There was just a different feel in the stadium. It felt like the air had been let out of the stadium. Scratch that. Felt like the air had been out of the Saints. The stadium was 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 energetic. I will say this. Little disappointed by crowd support, and I get it, right? Like I had this conversation with the guy behind me when, and that, and for the record, that was my first Panthers game at the bank. Uh, I yeah, was I like, wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about your experience there. I I will tell you from watching at home. I I'm used to that stadium being a lot, lot fuller. And of course, a lot of it had to do with the fact that the Panthers hadn't won in a really long time, but what was your stadium experience like there? Uh, it you've been to other stadiums. Yeah, I've, I've been to that. That was NFL stadium number seven or eight for me. I'll have to, I'll have to sit down and count stadium number eight. Uh, I will say this about the bank. It's an exceptional stadium. It's a very nice stadium. It's a really well laid out stadium. Uh, the, the, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really well put together stadium. It's a, it's a good looking stadium. Um, the video boards on, on both ends are spectacular. Uh, the seats are comfortable. I've been to a lot of older stadiums, including the Superdome in New Orleans, and the seats are made for 1960s people. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a really, really nice stadium. And I'll tell you that like the folks around us were great too. I mean, the, there were a few saints fans in the section where we were, uh, there, I mean, obviously there was some smack talk back and forth, but there was never like any problem. Like, uh oh, where's that super secret security text number? It never felt like that. It was a great stadium. The only thing that I'll say is I was a little disappointed that it was, you know, 
80% full, 82, 83% full. But as you pointed out, like I was talking to the guy behind me because I said that. I'm like, man, where, like, where is everybody? The upper bowl is 50% full. The bottom bowl is 90% full. And he said, dude, you got to keep in mind, uh, we haven't won a game here in a year. You know what I mean? And by the way, tickets were not cheap. Like tickets were not cheap. Uh, so, so to go to a game where the tickets aren't cheap, even when there are empty seats, I get you want to see the product be better. I am hoping that this Sunday against Arizona, now that we've got a win, now that they've shown that this team's going to come out and put some uh, put some skin in the game, I am hoping that Kyler Murray f- uh, faces a very raucous full crowd on Sunday. Because I'll tell you, there were spots in the game, even with an 80% capacity in there, where the stadium was getting kind of loud. There was some noise, and you could tell, especially when the Saints had their back to the wall down deep with their back against the goal line, you could tell it was impacting the signal calling a little bit in that. So I hope that stadium is packed to the brim because I I, I would love to see what that stadium feels and sounds like at 100% capacity. And now that there's a win on the right side of the ledger, let's hope that that is the case. Uh, it was good. It was a good time. You know, I've been there when it's been completely sold out. And I've always heard the, the wine and cheese uh, thing. This is the only uh, NFL stadium I've ever been in. So it's the, this is the only experience I know. I I have heard that thing be really loud. I've been to college games before. I'm not saying that rival is a college game, but I've heard it be really loud to the point where, you know, the players on the other team couldn't hear to uh, hear the snap count. So it is possible in that stadium. And come on, people, come on out and watch the game. Come on out and yeah. watch Kyler Murray run around with the cell phone. I have been to uh, I've been to Doe Campbell in Tallahassee. I have been to South Bend, Indiana, and watch Notre Dame. I have been to Alabama at Bryant Denny. I've been to the Plains of Opelika and watched Auburn. There's a lot of great college football stadiums. That open air environment kind of has a college football, Southern college football feel to it. I really want to see it at 100%. And and the reality is, and I'm sure the team knows this as well, you get two or three more home wins. If this team goes 3-0 and through this three-game home stretch, I suspect after the roadie, uh, when they come back for that fifth game, I think that place is going to be rocking. Ladies and gentlemen, your Carolina Panthers defeat the New Orleans Saints 22-14. to We are now 1-2, and 1-0, in division and dad gum does it feel good to put a dub up under the belt lonzo we drop our next midweek pod on wednesday between now and then any final words for the people just look on the horizon here comes little kyler murray i can't wait to see what happens in this game runs like a toddler who stole his parents cell phone the greatest scouting report in the history of scouting reports ladies and gentlemen The midweek pod drops on Wednesday. We will have a look back at the press conferences, at any news and notes, uh, transactions, injuries, et cetera, et cetera, on Wednesday. And we will see you then. For Lonzo Ryan, so my name is Rob Brown. Thank you for listening to the Views from Mid Street Podcast. Tell your friends about it. Available where podcasts are found. Your home for Panthers talk across the great United States. We'll see you Wednesday. Keep pounding, baby!